0: This is Todd Haberkorn, Mr. Spock on Star Trek Continues, and you're listening to the Trek Geeks Podcast. With Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Let's get ready to podcast!
1: And it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host Bill Smith, and joining me as he always does is the man most likely to be at the center of a dateline NBC investigation when I go missing. He's got motive, he's got opportunity, he's my friend Dan Davidson. How are you, buddy?
0: The only thing I don't think I have is an alibi. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's and not I will my say, problem. You do have the best intros of any podcast anywhere this side of the Alpha Quadrant.
1: When do you see the one I almost went with, which I'm sure I'll use in a future week? At some point, you'll get to read all of them.
0: <laughs> awesome. I, hey, I got to say something. Yeah. We may be the best little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, but today we're involving the Gamma Quadrant, baby.
1: We are branching out. Uh, This is episode 10 of the Trek Geeks podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. Um, We'll tell you a little bit more about our Gamma Quadrant involvement in just a second. But I do want to remind everybody really quickly that the Trek Geeks Blu-ray giveaway, which I cannot say 10 times fast, is still going on. So all you have to do is write a review of the podcast on iTunes and enter at trekgeeks.com slash contest That's trekgeeks.com slash contest, C-O-N-T-E-S-T.
0: There you go. All 10 Star Trek movies on Blu-ray. All motion picture all the way up through Nemesis. You know, that one where Data dies, but everybody knows that already.
1: What? You didn't know that? Spoiler alert.
0: Come on, man. (sighs) Let me me tell you a story about that with my sister. She doesn't even want to talk about it. I think I brought that up before. Anyway, I digress. Um, All of the films have been digitally remastered. Um, Wrath of Khan has been fully restored in HD with brilliant picture quality. Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. Yes, there's lots of bonus discs with exclusive exclusive content. Um, Approximate retail value of this is over $200, and it is the first prize uh, in the uh, giveaway that we're doing. Second prize is a $35 e-gift card to Amazon. That's quite a drop-off.
1: It? Uh, what kind of, it's the budget. You know, corporate said that we, we had to create second and third prizes. So All right. We went with okay. what was left once we you know bought the awesome DV uh, Sorry, Blu-rays. They're not DVDs. Right. They're Blu-rays.
0: Okay. That makes sense then. So you got that $35 e-gift card to Amazon for second prize. And third prize is going to be that exclusive T-shirt from the Trek Geek Shop.
1: I love how you say exclusive. exclusive. <laughs> like nobody else can get one. When in no. fact – if you go to trekgeeks.com, you actually can. But yet we digress.
0: Tons of good stuff at the, at the Trek Geek store, i got to say.
1: Well, thank you. Um, And yes, uh, you do want to go for full contest details and rules. Go to trekgeeks.com slash contest. And uh, we'll be drawing that. Um, wow, it's coming up soon. Uh, the end of the month. So we'll announce the winner the first weekend in May.
0: Yep. May 3rd, actually, is probably when it's going to be... Uh... Uh, giving away those prizes. Um, remember, you can only enter the contest one time, which is kind of convenient because you can only submit one review on iTunes, so that's a pretty good rule, huh?
1: It probably is, and it's the contest is only open to residents of the United States. So um, we have had some great reviews from the uh, the UK iTunes store I know, and we genuinely thank you folks for taking the time to review us. Um, but we have a feeling that those of you who may not have reviewed us yet might feel like you want to after this episode. Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's coming up today?
0: It's uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, it's something we've reached out to a lot of people uh, since we started this podcast a few months ago. We've had fantastic results. We've had great guests uh, from... Uh, different versions of Star Trek we had Richard Hatch when he talked about Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek Axanar but Deep Space Nine is is in our heart our our favorite and I'm getting choked up as I say it um I get a little frog in my throat but uh today we are thrilled to bring on our first Deep Space Nine uh actor Nana Visitor who played uh Kira is coming online and she is ready to talk to us about her time on the show and it's awesome
1: it's a it really is she was such a joy to speak with um i've seen her at conventions multiple times and she's always you know so cheerful and uh, always has has, will take as much time as as fans want to spend with her and we were lucky to get a little bit of her day today and um i I just i hope we get to talk to her again in the future because it, it really was a great conversation
0: it was great. and One of the things that I think is special about the, the people that have been involved in Trek is uh, all I did was – I mean we follow all of the folks on Twitter. Shot her a message. I said – "Hey,
1: You said I'm choking. <laughs> I Help. <kept> call 911. <laughs> <apologized.
0: laughs> We're going to have to cut that one out. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, all I did – I shot her a tweet. I said, hey, love to have you on the show. Ten minutes later, she responds. I mean that is what – being a Star Trek fan is all about Because those people that did the shows Know how much we love it They love it and they're willing to come on To a show like ours and talk to us for a little while
1: It really is uh, It's amazing how social media has, has Changed the game for podcasts We had her scheduled that same day And that was just a couple of days ago So um, we hope you'll enjoy this Episode 10 with Nana a Visitor from Star Trek Deep Space Nine mm-hmm.
0: All right, boys and girls, uh, this is a big one, I'm not going to lie. It's no secret that Bill and I love Deep Space Nine over all the other Star Trek series. Uh, The writing was fantastic. It was a show that was on the edge. It was a Star Trek universe that wasn't all happy and peaceful. It was dark, it was gritty, and with the Dominion, it was all-out war. Uh, Today's guest spent all seven seasons as one of the principal characters on DS9, right from her very first appearance while she was tearing a new one into a Bajoran minister from the prefect's office, to her romance with Constable Odo, to the final show, scene of the show with her arm around Jake watching out the window towards Cisco and the wormhole, she defined one of the strongest women in Star Trek history, Colonel Kira Norris. She is, of course, the multi-talented and amazing Nana visitor, and she joins us now on the trek geeks podcast. Nana, thanks for coming on today.
2: Thank you so much. What an intro. And when you say that with my arms around T'Rak, I am right there. I don't care how many years ago it was. I'm right there on that set. Once again.
0: It was it's one of the out of all of the series and the final scenes of all of them that is always going to be my favorite. It was so well done. And, uh, and you and, and Sorak did a, just a fantastic job with that, with that final scene and the whole series. It was just great.
2: Thanks so much. Um,
0: one of the first things that we're going to, uh, ask you, and it may be something that you, that you've heard a lot is, um, your character went through tons of changes during the seven years on the show. Um, is there one specific storyline that you like best? And was there one that you liked least with, uh, Uh, with Kira?
2: Um, I think the one that I liked least was, uh, and it was the most useful to me in real life, was my pregnancy uh, and giving the baby up. I liked it least because I so wanted it to be mined for more. Uh, The question of what that's like to give, to, to, to hold a child for nine months and then hand it over. I just, I wasn't sure it was going to be that easy for her, and since she said she was such a complicated character, if anyone had a complicated response to it, it would be her.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: um, that that was that that was just kind of a regret. And the other regret I had was I had this idea that um, that the intendant, my mirror universe character. Mm-hmm uh somehow had Kira locked up in a broom closet and was responsible for a lot of the war happening that she was double triple agenting it on uh uh on the sh- on the the, the show mm-hmm. so that uh she was actually making war for um our heroes but uh that uh, that just did- they they weren't interested in that one. Too complicated, I think.
0: That's interesting that you, that you bring up the uh, the pregnancy uh, storyline. One of the other questions we had, I'll just spin right into that right now because you brought it up. Is I actually I really enjoyed the way that they brought your real life pregnancy into the show. I thought it was ingenious how they did it with the with the um, uh, runabout accident.
2: Absolutely.
0: One of my favorite lines from the entire series was the inside joke that you gave to Bashir when you just said, remember, this is your fault. That may be one of the best inside jokes of any show that we've ever watched. Um, <laughs> and what I was going to ask you was, were you happy with how the end result turned out? But the, but your previous answer certainly um, uh, answers that for us. Uh, it's- oh,
2: I was so grateful. You know, I, I have to tell you, um, we're signed for seven years, but there's always this negotiation that happens with um, with Paramount at the end of every season for the next season coming up. And they were very tough negotiators. And what always came up was, listen, there can be a shuttlecraft accident. You're dead. You're gone. It can happen that fast (laughs) as a threat. And so the the fact that I got to stay on the show because of a shuttlecraft accident, I thought was just sweet justice.
1: (laughs) I've heard that your audition process was incredibly brief. Is that true?
2: Yeah, it was fast.
1: Like 10 minutes.
2: It was was very fast. I went in for them. um, You know, sometimes a, a character just possesses you. And I was possessed by Major Kira. And I really didn't know what I was auditioning for. I thought she was a guest star. I really didn't get it. Um, I, I I auditioned sometimes. Sometimes there were three auditions a day, five times a week in those days. So there was it, you just you just shot them out of the cannon. But this one possessed me, and I loved her. And I remember going out and buying a pair of Doc Martens. And going, this is who she is. And uh, went in there, kind of abused them. They called me back and said, would you be abusive to the Paramount executives like that? And that was it.
0: That's interesting. I've heard a lot of stories about people uh, who went in for auditions for specific characters. For example, I heard that Andy Robinson actually auditioned for the role of Odo before Renee got the part. So it was just Kira that you had auditioned for when you went in.
2: Yes, that's that was great. It. Yep,
0: they certainly nailed it on the head.
2: <laughs> it it was just one of those. There was no doubt in my mind. So much so that I kind of warped their reality. I think when I walked in there, it was like, no, no, no matter what you think, Kira was. This is what Kira is.
0: Yep. <clears throat> Interesting. That's it's great to see. That. I mean, right from that first scene, like I said, I mean, you you've got such you know fire in the, in the character, and it uh, it it lasted the entire the entire seven years, which was one of the one of the talking points that we'll get to shortly in, in regards to being one of the strongest women in Star Trek history, but one of the things that I did want to ask you um, <clears throat> was that later on in the show, um, there was the romance aspect between Kira and Odo, and <clears throat> not me. I did not I didn't criticize it, but there have been criticisms that the show might have suffered a little bit when that romance started. Um, do you think that's the case, uh, and were you happy that it went in that direction?
2: I wasn't happy. I I thought it so, it was so wonderful that there was a male and a female that had a deep friendship and that it didn't have to suddenly have this other tension. It was it was something that was happening on television shows in that era and it was very very typical the two leads would, you know, have this kind of fractious relationship but oh yes, actually they want to sleep together. And I loved the idea that this was different. So I went into it uh kicking a little bit. I, I didn't want it to happen. But the 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 good part to me was that I got to act with Renee mm-hmm. almost, you know, every day, which was the best. He's he's my favorite acting partner.
0: Which um, you actually are doing right now. Recently, I did see that you just did a play reading together, and so you still keep in touch and do things uh, whenever you can.
2: Absolutely. I I dragged him uh, <laughs> into my reading because I wrote a play, um, and I wrote it with him in mind. Uh, it's a two person play, so yeah, we did it. Uh, we did it uh, for some Broadway producers. Uh, And I'm now I've got they gave me great ideas and I'm expanding it and puffing it up. And uh, uh, it was very exciting. But my gosh, really, the big joy was just to be in a room with Renee acting again.
1: Dan and I have been compiling a list of the five episodes we'd show someone just to introduce them to DS9. And among my list of five is duet, because I think it's the best episode of season one. It's got huge implications for Kira because she has to set aside her hatred of the Cardassians to ensure that Maritza is treated fairly um was that had to be an incredibly grueling episode to shoot because the episode itself was so small in terms of you know character on character possibly
2: they had they had spent all their money on you know on special effects on the previous shows, so it was like okay, we've got to have what they call a bottle show. And, you know, very few characters, very few sets, nice and inexpensive. But, of course, what that does is it puts pressure on the writers to do an even more incredible job, which they were so up for, uh, obviously. And I agree, that is one of my favorite shows. And it was a difficult, difficult one to, to film, um, I didn't know the ins and outs of Kira, uh, so well by that point that I didn't really, I mean, I, I kind of lived Kira 24 seven during that, uh, time period to, to really get what she was going through. I mean, after all today, we would understand uh, a lot of people thought, well, she's bitchy but uh today we would understand that she obviously had ptsd and um that was that was something that she was able to get cured from over the 7 years
0: were there times during the filming of that episode uh nana that uh were there any I don't know if what the right way to put this is. The scenes with you and Harris were extremely tense and emotional. Um, was it a lot of takes to do that type of scene? Or was it something that knowing the script and knowing how the character was developing, that you were able to do that without too many uh, retakes?
2: Well, I'd had a little time to get used to the language. But don't forget, one of the biggest challenges any of our guest stars had was getting used to the way the language was and it's so specific and you know actors aren't used to coming on a show maybe it's different now but in the day um if you needed to kind of change the line if and or but dropped or added no big deal mm-hmm. not on star trek <laughs> word for word yeah. and you get out a page long um, uh, speech and get told, no, you didn't say the in in the third sentence. So we have to do it again. Oh, wow. So it's, it's very, very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something after six months you get used to. Yeah. As an actor, I think it takes six months um, to really, like, it, your brain is functioning at that level and it's okay. But all our guest stars really had a a challenge beyond makeup beyond everything else it was it was a lot
0: Mm -hmm. that's interesting that's interesting uh bill mentioned that duet is one of his favorites when discussing uh if you're trying to introduce somebody to the show for me personally my favorite kira episode was second skin um Mm -hmm. i know that a lot of people have one of the most popular questions that you're asked is how long did the makeup take as a Bajoran. I can imagine that you were glad you were just playing a Bajoran for seven years instead of possibly what you had to go through for just that one episode playing a Cardassian. Oh
2: oh my God. They would have had to find a way to cut the time down. (laughs) And it was because they weren't used to making me a Cardassian for sure. But my call time was 1 AM. Everyone else got there at seven and then we began the day. Wow. So, The the days, uh, you know, hallucinating and kind of losing it uh, when you've been working 22 hours isn't unusual, especially when it's within a season of, I mean, we did so many shows and we worked so many hours. So, yeah, it was it was tough that that episode was tough
0: it was it was fantastic though um like i said my favorite kira episode do you have a favorite kira episode out of all of them
2: um i have to go with bill duet really mm-hmm. was i i thought it was such an amazing show because it used so little
1: right take that davidson thank you <laughs> <laughs> wow
2: <laughs>
0: This is what I deal with constantly, Nanai. It's just like back and forth.
2: But that's all right. That's right.
1: (laughs) We're like brothers who fight a lot. That's
2: right. Got to take the punches.
1: (laughs) You know, Nanai, historically the Star Trek universe was not exactly known for strong female characters before Deep Space Nine. You know, you figure in prior incarnations, women had mostly been in a nurturing role or a caretaking role. Um, And that was significant for a franchise that at that point had been around over 25 years. Were you conscious of that at the beginning? And do you think it added any pressure to creating Kira on screen? Uh,
2: I was conscious of it uh, mostly because I'd been auditioning for every show there was and I knew uh, in the Star Trek world or the regular world, any world at that time, it didn't exist. Um, And the, 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 The problem was going to be the pushback from trekkers, from women, from people who felt like I was uh, taking something and going the wrong direction with it and uh, just holding tight and going, you know what, this isn't about being reasonable or likable. This is about bringing this woman to life. And that's what I had to concentrate on.
1: It um, do you feel that her character would resonate even better if Deep Space Nine happened today in a post nine eleven world?
2: I question whether she'd be there at all.
1: I was thinking that the other day myself, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Certainly, certainly more uh, of a landmine for the writers. I, I that
0: would be tough it's interesting because a lot of the uh, duet we'll go back to duet and of course anything with the occupation um <clears throat> we spoke to uh, richard hatch a couple of weeks ago and we talked a little bit about battlestar galactica and his thoughts on that and he brought in an, um a a comparison of what that show was like that i honestly had never really thought of and that was of a holocaust type thing that happened on Battlestar Galactica where similarly if, that, if that's a word similarly whatever um i'm buying it okay <laughs> that hmm, is kind of what the occupation was all about and it's interesting that you that you have that um opinion in regards to a post 9/11 world um and whether or not she would have been the character that she was when DS9 came out back in the uh in the 90s
2: yeah i mean it, it- everything is easier to look at when you put it in space and give it you know uh, some but i don't know i really don't know
0: <laughs> well <clears throat> as anyone who's been listening to the podcast knows i am a huge fan of the mirror universe um all of the episodes that uh took place in the Mirror Universe are are some of my favorites. I've read several novels that take place in the Mirror Universe. But one of the things that I always questioned was how the writers portrayed the Intendant. And what I wanted to get from you is, is what you thought about that. And in my opinion, it seemed that she was purposely kind of Oversexed is maybe the best way to put it, um, and she kind of had that dictatorish type of attitude. Um, and it seemed that with each episode that the mirror universe was on on DS9, that it kind of got higher and higher a level. Was that um, intended to be like that? And what were your thoughts on on playing that character?
2: My thoughts were: um, first of all, she's she's a flip. She's in <laughs> she's a flip of Kira. Yeah. So where Kira is selfless and sees a cause bigger than herself. The intendant's biggest cause is herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So everything that Kira is, I looked at it on paper and flipped it. What I think happened is they saw the scene where, of course, the intendant meeting Kira meeting herself Mm -hmm. is going to absolutely fall in love with her because it's her how perfect. Um, No one could be better. And from that, they went into that she was bisexual and all these things. I think it was specific to the fact that she was in love with herself. Um, But I think they had a lot of fun with that in in the episodes. And Mm -hmm. suddenly I had slaves and boys and girls and you know, and 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 so you go. Well, you know, that's all right. Why not? It's the mirror universe, and yeah, so and, now that's part of her. But I think it came from her really just being in love with herself.
0: I love I love hearing these the, the way that, that the people that played these characters have these type of thoughts. It's things that I would never have thought of, and it's it's mm. it's really interesting to get that type of. Uh, of, of what you're thinking when you, when you get the script and when you're billing on the character, we yeah. believe me, I'm not complaining about it. The scenes were great. You, you look fantastic in it. And, and the, it was always great to watch a mirror universe episode. And I also love how a few, a few minutes ago you were talking about how you had a great storyline for bringing her in and making it much more, uh, uh, involved uh, yeah. with her. That would have been fantastic. That's that a novel. Was, I think
2: that she was, that she was masquerading as major Kira. Mm hmm. That, to me, would be really interesting. It's the only so time, Mage Pira for the last part of the show, was not there at all.
1: It's the only time in Star Trek history a Mirror counterpart has has met the other character.
2: Is that right? It oh, is. Oh, wow. That's right. Wow. Yeah.
0: There you go, Bill. Trivia buff oh. right there. Well, you know,
1: it's, <laughs> I put the geek in Trek geeks. I really do. <laughs> You know uh no no I've been to several conventions uh like the one in Vegas that Dan has never been to um oh. I-
2: oh. <laughs> You gotta
0: go. I know. That's what I've been I've, telling and he's him. He's bugging me to go this year, and unfortunately, I have a prior engagement for this August. But I am going to next year's, no matter what happens. Yeah. So I hope it, you will be at the
2: fiftieth as well. I I probably <laughs> will be. I think so.
1: I was a uh, I was at the the DS nine twenty convention in Vegas, and and you all were assembled as a panel, and the conversation was so fascinating. It felt to me like a master class on acting particularly just because of the amazing talent sitting on that stage. Um, While you were shooting the series, did it feel like a learning environment? I mean, did you take a lot away from it toward your craft as an actor?
2: Yes. You know, number one on the call sheet, first of all, really sets the tone for uh, a series. And Avery Brooks set our tone. Mm -hmm. And the tone was, you know, he's a, a professor at Rutgers University and it was scholarly it was this is important it was serious and also that that was one thing he set the tone the other was we were most of us stage actors and really did take it all very very seriously so we weren't particularly fun on set there weren't (laughs) a lot of jokes and fun things going on um and it I think probably for some guest stars, it, it felt very heavy. Um, but, but yeah, that was our, that was our MO.
1: The, um, the subject matter at times was so heavy. Um, how did you guys sort of break from that during shooting? I mean, obviously the, the next gen cast was the polar opposite of that and their hijinks are somewhat legendary, yeah. but how did you guys sort of take yourselves out of all that heaviness and, and uh, and and drama to, to to sort of lighten your worlds a little bit.
2: It could be a problem that we didn't really, to tell you the truth. Um, it was heavy on set, and I remember. And it, you know, again, we were past exhaustion most of the time. Um, and I remember going home and falling just dead asleep and having dreams of being in a Cardassian camp and escaping. And it was like real time, one of those dreams where you're there and it's really happening and the air is cold and it's a little foggy and there's a Cardassian standing guard there. It, it enveloped my world. Sorry, that's my kaek parrot complaining right now <laughs> that he's not on my shoulder.
1: <laughs> Perfectly okay.
0: That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Yeah, really. Um, Stepping away from from DS9 and Star Trek for just a moment, um, I just want to say, as much of a Trek fan as I am, I've always loved the horror genre. Mm -hmm. I've always loved Halloween, Friday the 13th. I was so excited because I didn't know when I was watching the first opening scene of the Friday the 13th reboot that you were Mrs. Voorhees. And I was so happy Right up until the point where you got your head cut off.
2: Yeah, boy, I went to a friend's house right after that was released, and he had it on his TV on a loop, so that my head just kept falling and falling and falling. <laughs>
0: it's 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 funny because the, the 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 reboot was basically I don't know if you want to go if you want to compare the originals, it's basically part two. You could have been they could have cast you, and it would have been fantastic as as Mrs. Voorhees, as the original killer, like she was in the first Friday the 13th, back in 1980, 81.
2: That would have been very cool. Very yeah. cool. But I always knew, obviously I was getting my head chopped off quickly and it was, uh, let's say interesting to, um, to go through the, the process of getting that prosthetic made. Oh my God. Uh, it it's not fun to be fully encased in in uh, in rubber.
0: Oh, I can imagine, and oh. and uh, and wh- I've seen some some behind the scenes footage of some of the people in Trek who have had to, who had to go through that on a regular basis. That can't be uh, no. that can't be very much fun.
2: No, not fun at all.
0: Are you a fan of those types of movies and characters, or is that just something that you're like, oh, that'd be fun to do once?
2: Uh, no, I can't bear watching it, but it w- it's fun to do it. But I, I, that, I really can't bear watching those things.
1: <laughs> I know you've also done some voice work for about a dozen Family Guy episodes, but now you're also appearing in Seth MacFarlane's uh, sequel to Ted. Um, I
2: am. I get to act with the bear. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that sounds oh, like a lot rep- of fun. Which is really fun. And and basically anything Seth would ask for, I would do in in a second. I, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's he's amazing. So, uh, yeah, I've got that coming up. And uh, another movie that I did that was called... Oh, no, I don't know what... But they've changed the title of it, and I don't know what it is. And I'm uh, going to be doing a web series for Tello Films as well. Oh, neat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. I'm playing a, a dance mistress. And, of course... Dance is uh, goes all the way back to my grandmother. Everybody's been a dancer in my family, so I'm uh, I'm excited to bring that part of me out.
0: That's that's awesome. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention in regards to uh, Seth and Family Guy is Bill and I are huge Family Guy fans. We love when we've seen you or we've heard you on the show. Um, one of the things that I think is great with Seth and the work that he does on Family Guy particularly is he's able to bring in a lot of Star Trek stuff and has a lot of of cutaway scenes to to different Star Trek shows. He's got a there's a there's an app out right now called uh, Family Guy the Quest for Stuff which has a huge Star Trek um, chapter I guess you could call it um, which is great and it's it's fantastic to see all of the people that have been involved in all of the different Trek series do stuff like what you've done on family guy and it, and it, it shows the popularity
2: um, yeah.
0: of all the series. It's really great to watch and listen to.
2: Yep. He's, he's, he's a real fan. He's a real star Trek fan. He's it's such a adorable. genius.
0: He's such a genius too, because yes. uh, one of the things that I've always said to people that don't like that show because they find it offensive. is I said, it can't be offensive if nobody is safe, if everybody That's- is, is, is an open target, then it's not offensive because everybody is treated exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and and the 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 job that you've done on the on the several episodes uh, have been great. Uh, the episode with Brian is one of my favorite ones. Um, and uh, I hope that you are going to be doing some additional things in the future with Family Guy.
2: Yeah, I I certainly will anytime he calls me up. But of course I'm listening. I'm I'm uh. I'm living in New York right now, so that makes it a little more complicated. So if he calls, I have to go, wait a minute, let me see if I can get there.
1: I, um, I'd heard that you didn't realize you were in the Family Guy Christmas episode, the one where they kill Santa.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> I was watching that. My, my husband, Matthew's a huge fan of the show, was before I worked on it. And I've always been one of those people that goes, okay, okay, that's too much. Okay, the dog's bleeding out on the floor. I can't take it. Um, And we were, it was Christmas time, and we're watching the Christmas episode, and Santa gets killed, and there's blood everywhere on the Christmas tree. And I go, Matthew, okay, that's it. I No more. I can't take watching this anymore. It's too upsetting. And the credits are rolling by, as I say this, and Matthew goes, nah, nah you were the mom. It's <laughs> <laughs> <like>, damn. That's <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> That's the best. Um,
1: touching back to Trek for a second, I've, I've probably had about a dozen people contact me over the last year to tell me that they've watched DS9 for the first time and watched it all the way through in a, in a binge and said, why didn't I watch this when it was on? Because It's amazing. Um, something that Dan and I have known you know, ever since it premiered. Do you hear that a lot when you're at conventions from fans?
2: Well, it's amazing. You know, 14-year-old boys would come up to me uh, back in the day at a convention, and they still do. <laughs> they have discovered it, and they're watching it and loving it. And this I particularly love from 14-year-old boys. They go, I like the way your character is. I like who she is. They're, you know it, it that's that's gratifying and girls too and adults they're watching it on Netflix all over again and sometimes for the first time
0: it's 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 great that um as bill said we've known it for so long i've i've always kind of felt i don't know if angry is that word but really disappointed when people talk about star trek and they always seem to leave out Deep Space Nine. It's like, it's an afterthought. I mean, they always talk about the original series and they always talk about Next Gen. And while they, they are great, I'm always the first person to step up and say, yeah, but in my opinion, Deep Space Nine was by far the best series because of what it accomplished, what it took head on. Um, and it, it moved away from Gene's vision a little bit, but It did it in such a way that made it exciting to watch. And people like you and Avery, um, Terry, all the cast just did such a great job um, in bringing these characters to life. And I've always appreciated the show on so many levels because of what you guys did.
2: Thank you so
1: much. Thank you. So, no, no, when production wrapped on DS9, did you keep anything from the set as a memento?
2: This is tragic. I did. I kept a big piece of uh, the set, which was a bony fish hanging on the promenade to indicate a restaurant. And I had that boxed and in my parents' um, uh, house – and when my mother died, everything went to storage, and then things disappeared in storage. So someone's got a very specific uh, bony fish in their possession.
0: Oh, now no. I'm trying to picture where that is on the promenade because I'm having trouble picturing it.
2: You'll see it. I used to I used to sit on the carpet looking at it two in the morning, night after night <laughs> after night. You'll you will find it.
0: Was there a specific and I don't want to I don't want to have you point out somebody, you know, over anyone else. Was there one specific guest on the show that you really loved having on and um, why?
2: Oh, my God, (laughs) that that is a hard one. But, you know, when you when you consider that Andy Robinson was a guest star, Mm -hmm. I think I have to go with with him, you know, uh, Andy has this energy. I mean, he should have been a regular, he was a regular character. I
0: agree. I agree hundred uh, percent.
2: So that was kind of outrageous, but okay. So, but if we're going to talk about guest stars, uh, he's at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. He, he was just, he was incredible.
0: Well, we certainly, we certainly think alike in that aspect. He was my favorite non-regular character. Sorry, my dog just decided to drop her chewing bone on the couch, folks, (laughs) off the couch. Sorry about that. Um, He and J.G. Hertzler are my favorite uh, Deep Space Nine non-regulars with the work that they did. Um, They're fantastic actors. They have uh, great great characters to work with. And uh, I, I agree with you that I think both of them should have been regulars instead of guest appearance by type characters.
2: They are actors that take the risks and it's so exciting to act with them and just even be around them. When they were in makeup, especially J.G., he's such a pirate, I actually felt a little nervous around him because it was like, what the hell is he going to do next? You, you never knew.
0: <laughs> right. Speaking of that, um, and, and we don't want to keep you too much longer, but I did want to say, for me, I, my two favorite Deep Space Nine episodes are In the Pale Moonlight uh is probably my favorite one but my second favorite one which probably you hear from everyone is far beyond the stars oh yeah it gave you guys the opportunity to not be in makeup and i'll tell you seeing jg uh sitting there with the cigar in his mouth and seeing you with your hair done up the way it is and all the other cast members that show i it, didn't it win a hugo Did, it won something didn't it
2: you know, I don't know. I'm not
0: sure what it won, but it was it, that was fantastic. It really let you guys step out of your normal character and, and do a show that really hit one out of the ballpark. It was fantastic. Really good job. It,
2: it That was amazing. And Avery Brooks did an amazing job of directing it, I have to say. Yep. Now I'm going to make you feel how long ago the show was. You know that uh, shuttlecraft accident? Yes. Yes. Well, I'm I'm meeting him in about half an hour in the East Village. Django is now eighteen, going on nineteen, going on forty five. Wow! And six uh, two, and you, you couldn't <laughs> ask for you couldn't ask for a better combination of Siddig and me. That is
0: great. And
2: uh, I am off to go meet my son.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Nana. We cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. Like like my we friend. said. It's our favorite series by far, and having you as our first Deep Space Nine guest means more to us than we can possibly express. Thank you very much for joining us today.
2: I'm so honored, and congratulations on this show. Many, many years on it, okay?
0: Thank you very much. All right. All righty.
1: And we'd certainly like to thank Nana Visitor for being on the show today. Dan, what a treat. Um, I I truly loved our conversation with Nana. And I thought it was interesting her take on Kira over after all these years.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny that um it, it's not funny. It's it's quite amazing that the person who played this character has such specific ideas in her mind when she's playing the character and getting the scripts and and some of the um, some of the ideas or examples that she gave us were, were really blew me away never ever would have thought of some of the things that she thought of and it helped make the character as popular and as good as she was
1: i agree i um i think that it's a great you know after having watched some deep space 9 recently as i know you have it's kind of a great perspective to have because we've watched episodes like duet and second skin recently in preparation for this and then to have her recount some of those stories and, and ideas, it really kind of gives the episode a, a, a fresh context to me.
0: I agree. Uh, I think that in, in addition to just having that time talking to her, I loved hearing her bird. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, the funny thing is, is as we sat here you know, today, I have my dog in the room. <laughs> Um, because she's a bit of a Velcro dog, we rescued her about five years ago and she likes to be where we are and she doesn't spend a whole lot of time in the office. And today she has been good as gold. Um, I kept muting out so that potentially we wouldn't hear her bark and and low growl at things. But, um, my animal was the only one that didn't make any noise.
0: Yes. I had the fun opportunity for everyone to hear my two dogs. We have two rescue dogs. And we have a very large Nyla bone circle thing, which is probably a pound or so. And my dog, Aria, named after Game of Thrones character, by the way, um, decided to drop it on the hardwood floor in the <laughs> middle of our interview. So I really want to thank Aria for that. Um, <clears throat> Callie was pretty quiet. Callie's our other rescue dog named after the Callie River Rapids ride at Disney World, for those of you who didn't know that.
1: Oh, I don't um, think I realized was, that. No,
0: she was nice and quiet and um and we got to hear Nana's bird. And it was quite an interesting sounding bird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh animal lovers all around. In fact, as I as I record this with you now, Abby is asleep. Um three feet to my, my right. She's just she's out cold.
0: My dogs are outside because they were getting rambunctious.
1: Kinda like you, you rambunctious guy.
0: Hey, I can't help but be rambunctious. We just had Nana freaking visitor on the show, man.
1: <laughs> we really did. Um, it was great. It really was, and we again, we can't thank her enough. Um, you know, if you happen to follow Nana on Twitter or you know whatever social media that she's on, I know she's at Nana Visitor on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Feel free to tweet her and tell her you heard her on the Trek Geeks podcast and how great you thought it was, um, because I'm sure she'd appreciate it. Um, she gives a lot of her time to the fans and attends a lot of conventions every year, and um, she's absolutely gracious and wonderful, and she truly was just a delight. So, um, so, Dan, that said, we probably should wrap this episode. Why don't you tell the folks at home how they can get in touch with us?
0: Sure can. Um, very simple on Twitter, Facebook, or Skype. Our handle is simply TrekGeeks, and uh, you can send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 508-784-1701. If uh, you want to reach out to us individually, you can do so on Twitter. Bill's handle is at TrekGeekBill, and my handle is at DCD DS9, and yes, that is for Deep Space Nine, and it's kind of ironic that we had an visitor on because of Deep Space Nine. Anyway, just remember that any comments or messages you leave uh, will uh, be used in future episodes. We say can be, but they are gonna be, so you might as well just know that right up front.
1: I'm surprised your Twitter handle isn't Samurai300. <laughs> yeah,
0: that would be uh, quite funny if it was, Bill. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, just to let everybody know, um, episode eleven will appear in a couple of weeks. I'm about to head out of town on a much-needed vacation. Wow! There's the ship leaving now. So, with that, we uh, we thank you all for listening to episode ten, and we hope to hear you soon.
0: Have a good vacation, Pally.
1: Thanks, Pally. <laughs> all
0: live right, long take and Carol.
1: Live long and prosper. whenever you're ready
0: you should ready. play the music the match game music <laughs> all right this episode of the Trek geeks podcast is brought to you by audible.com get a free audio download and a 30-day free trial at au- oops <laughs> okay let's try that again yeah let's uh
1: take. let's try that again dan's read take two, take two.
0: This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks, and you'll find over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player. (laughs) That's going to be a good one. Uh. (laughs) Now I'm going to do it in...
1: Irish? <laughs> no, no. We've only got uh, thirteen minutes.
0: <laughs> the episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, and you can get a free audiobook download and a thirty-day free trial at audibletrialcom slash Geeks. and you'll find over hundred and fifty thousand titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android Kindle, or MP3 player.
1: <laughs> you you didn't want to
0: touch my Lucky Charms. <laughs>
1: Or you'll beat me with your shillelagh.
0: (laughs) Wow. Now in Russian. No. (laughs) You will buy.
1: In Russia, audiobook download you. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's some good stuff. That was funny. You want to try a straight one? your, Your turn. Yeah, I'll do a straight one.
1: All right, go ahead.